The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. If you would please turn in your Bible to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3. We're continuing our series going verse by verse through the portion of the Bible that we call Ephesians, entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? We're looking specifically at our identity in Christ. And this morning, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 3 for our text reading this morning. Please stand with me, as you, if you would, as we read God's Word together. We'll read verse 14 down through verse number 17 of Ephesians chapter number 3. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 3, starting in verse 14, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by the Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, now get this, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. This morning, pastor's going to bring a message simply titled, I Am Loved. Before I get started, I just want to say I absolutely love worshiping with this church family. Uh, I'll tell you what, being able to say it, I wish more of you could sit near the front because not only do you get to hear everything that is happening here, but you get to hear all of the voices just coming together, singing at you, and it is just unbelievable. And I, and I can't wait till that time comes where we are in heaven together and just singing praises to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you think this was dynamic this morning, you ain't seen nothing yet. Telling you what, it's going to be awesome. Well, we're going through a series right now simply entitled Identity. Who do you think you are? And uh, we've been going verse by verse by verse uh, through the book of Ephesians. Today, we're going to officially be halfway done with the book. And we've been identifying in this passage, in this book of the Bible, all the things that God declares for us to be now that we are in Christ. And today, as was stated a moment ago, we're going to look at this subject of we are loved. In Christ, we are loved. Before we get into that, how many of you, how many of you enjoy uh, riding airplanes, flying airplanes? Maybe you have to travel here and there. How many of you really look forward to it? You enjoy it, okay? There's a couple of you. Uh, Roman, you work for the airline company. You have to say that. Uh, but uh, any of you don't work and don't get paid by the airline, how many of you are like, man, I really enjoy it? Okay, a couple. How many of you, you kind of get a little bit nervous about it? Anybody like that? You just, it's not really your thing? Raise your hand. You say, okay, so more, more people who get a little bit nervous about flying maybe than, than others. And, and just because of some of what I do, I have to fly quite a uh, quite a good bit and I've had all kinds of experiences uh, as I was flying w- one time uh, my brother and I Daniel uh, we were on a flight I can't even remember where we were going at the time and uh, we hit some really bad turbulence and you would think me being a pastor comfortable with my eternal destination that I would be okay you know with a lot of turbulence and hey if, if this is the way it goes then this is the way it goes I, I just get nervous any of you like that you get nervous with a lot of turbulence and man all of a sudden we're flying along and the whole plane just started like going out of control, just rah, really big and shaking really hard. And uh, while this was happening, the uh, uh, captain was on the loudspeaker giving some random announcements, and all of a sudden the plane just went berserk, and you could hear the pilots say, whoa, 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 literally over the loudspeaker, everybody could hear it. And that's not a comforting thing when you hear your pilot saying, whoa, 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 over, over this loudspeaker. And then, you know, trying to make up for it, he said, oh, God, folks, folks, it's, it's, all, it's all right. He said, uh, we just hit some trains tracks. And uh, that, for a second, I was like, oh, okay, good. That's all it was. Train track. Wait a second. We're 30,000 feet up in the air. What's, what's going on here? Daniel looks out over at me, leans over, and he says, train tracks. It, it felt like we got hit by the train. That's what it, that's what it felt like. And uh, you had those experiences before. 
Um, when I was flying into Asia on one occasion, we were, we were touching down in the Philippines. There's so many different islands that you have to fly to. And, and literally, uh, the Horados could tell you maybe about some of this. Uh, we landed in this one airport, and literally, as we're landing, you know, usually it looks like an airport, and we're landing, and I'm seeing little huts and villages. No joke. I'm seeing laundry being hanged out just outside of the runway. There are cows, and there are goats, and they're just out there, and this plane is, is coming down, and I'm thinking, this is, this is kind of different. I, you know, I, I was just hoping one of the sheep didn't get out in front of the plane, and we, we landed there, and everybody just started clapping, and I, I don't know if this is a cultural thing, maybe you could, you could tell me, uh, but they all started clapping, and, and I, 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 you know, everybody was excited that it landed that way. Apparently, maybe that's not normal, and they were excited that everything went really smooth, or maybe it just, I don't know exactly how it went, until my next flight, I figured out why they clap. <laughs> We were heading down into Manila, and we were coming in really, really steep. And as we were coming in, all of a sudden, our plane just, I mean, we just, we were, I mean, and it just goes like straight up. And everybody's holding on real tight. And uh, I don't know what happened. I'm assuming we missed the runway. And uh, it came up the first time it had ever happened to me. We came flying back around. I'm thinking, man, it didn't go so well the first time. I'm wondering how it's going to go this time. I'm a little nervous because I'm in a different country. And and I don't know if maybe maybe the training isn't quite the same for the pilots. as they, I just didn't know. I was nervous. And man, they landed that second time. And once again, everybody started clapping. And this time I knew why, and I clapped with them. It was a, it was a wonderful experience to know that we had made it down uh, safely. It was, it was a great thing. Um, last summer, I, I was flying, and it was later in the evening. I was coming back from a, a preaching trip, and um, I was knowing that I was going to be preaching through the book of Ephesians come this year. And so last year, I was just spending a lot of time in the book of Ephesians. I probably read it a hundred times or more just preparing for this particular series. And so I'm on an airplane flying back to California, and I've got my Bible open. And I was listening to some Christian music just about the love of God, similar to some of the things we were uh, singing about a moment ago. And I came across this passage, and it's, it's later in the evening. And uh, man, I'm just listening to this godly music, just encouraging my heart and I came to this passage that was just read a moment ago, and as I started to meditate on it and ponder it, and not just read it, but really allow the reality of what's being said in this passage seek into my heart and my soul and my life, no exaggeration, I just, I came overwhelmed uh, just with the goodness and love of God. And in that moment, as I was sitting there on the plane and I'm reading this, Literally, my eyes begin to well with tears as I was just overwhelmed with the love of God for me, the broken person that I am, and yet he loved me enough anyways to send Jesus Christ to this earth, literally to purchase for me my salvation. This was last summer, and God just really allowed some of these realities to jump out at me, and I want to share some of them with you this morning. And my prayer is that it would encourage your heart like it's encouraged mine. I've literally been waiting nine months to preach the sermon I'm going to preach in the next few minutes. I've been so excited about it because it's blessed my heart in such a magnificent way. I told the guys beforehand I was a little nervous about today because I was afraid that I won't be able to communicate to our church the way the Holy Spirit had communicated to me through this passage. And so if that's the case, forgive me, but go home, read it on your own. Let the Spirit of God preach this to you. It will bless you. I promise you that. Let's just dive into this here today. We're going to begin reading in verse number 18, and we'll make our way here uh, through the passage. Here's what the Bible says. 
Uh, We'll start in verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. Now, to give you some background and some context, remember... The Apostle Paul just went on this rabbit trail earlier in the chapter, and now he's getting his focus back. And he says here in verses number 17, he says, I'm going to pray for you. He says, for this cause, verse 14, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And and so the Apostle Paul is saying, church at Ephesus, I'm going to pray for you. There's something I desperately want you to get. There's something I desperately want you to have. There's something I desperately want you to possess. What, What is this, Paul? He goes on, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that ye being, notice this, rooted and grounded in love. That you might know, verse 18, what is the length and the depth and the height of this love of Christ. Literally, the Apostle Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus and he's saying to them, I am so praying that you would understand this love of Christ. He says, I know you're saved. I know you're believers. I know you kind of get this on an intellectual, academic, level, but he says, I want you to go deeper in your understanding. I want your understanding to be broader of this thing of God's love, Christ's love for you, which brings us to our first thought this morning. If you're taking notes in your service program, you can follow along. I want you to see, number one, I want to encourage you to comprehend God's love. Comprehend God's love. If you get nothing else this morning, If you are in Christ, God loves you. You say, I've been hearing that. I've heard that forever. There might be some people here today and your spouse doesn't love you in a way that you believe they should love you. Maybe you weren't raised in a family where you got love from your parents, from your mom or your dad in the way you thought maybe you should experience that love. Maybe there were family members, people who told you that they would love you and and yet they didn't. And and you've had moments and you've had experiences where where you didn't experience that unconditional love. And and to you, I want to say this morning that in Christ, you are loved this morning. Regardless of your past, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you've been, if you are in Christ, I want to just remind you afresh and anew that you are loved in Jesus. Notice verse number 17. He says that you may be rooted and grounded in this love. One of the things I want to encourage those of you who are believers, I want to encourage you to let your heart and mind be rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. It's one thing to be cognizantly aware that you are loved by Jesus. It's one thing to know on an academic level that Christ loves you and that you are loved in Christ. It's one thing to understand it on a scholastic level, but it's a whole different thing to be rooted and to be grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes I say it this way, we we need to preach the gospel to ourselves regularly. You see, this is something you're going to need to preach to yourself tomorrow. Christ loves me. Jesus Christ, in Christ, I am loved by God. 
You need to preach this. You need to get rooted in this thing. You need to be grounded in this thing because as life batters you and hits you, you're going you're gonna to be tempted to forget or you're going to be tempted just to think about it on an academic level but not to experience it in your daily lives. Notice what it says here in verses numbers 18. He says that ye may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. You might be here today and you might be saying to yourself, I've fallen pretty deep into sin. But I want to remind you today that God's love reaches deeper. That's what this says, the depth of his love. Notice the width of his love. You might be here today saying, I, I've run pretty far from God. And I want to remind you today that God's love reaches farther. Notice it says the height. You might be here today and say, I've really reached the highest levels of pride, the highest levels of arrogance, the highest levels of self-righteousness. And I want to say to even you that God's love reaches higher. Notice what it says, that ye might be able to comprehend what is the length and the length and the depth and the height. What? Of the love of Christ. Romans chapter number 8 verse 35 emphasizes this statement where it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to declare to you afresh and anew today that you are loved if you're in Christ. In Christ you are accepted. In Christ you are adored. In Christ you are affirmed. Why? Because you are loved in Him. One person said it this way, God loves you more in one moment than anyone could love you in a lifetime. You are loved today, and I want to remind you of that reality. Let's keep going. Notice verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Now, let's pause there for a second. How many of you think that statement's a little weird? To know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? How is that even possible? Here Paul is saying, I want you to know something that you can't know. How is that even possible? In the Greek, the words for know and knowledge are actually two different words. The first word is know or gnosko. It doesn't speak of merely an academic, intellectual, cognizant type of understanding or knowledge. It speaks of that which is experiential. So when Paul is saying here to the church at Ephesus, he says, I want you to know. I want you to experience. I want you to be so grounded. I want you to be so rooted. I want you to preach this love, this gospel to yourself so regularly. He says that you literally experience it. See, some of you are here today and some of you are believers and Christians and you know that Christ loves you here, but it's been a long time since you've really basked and dwelt and experienced the love of Christ and, and felt and experienced his love for you. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, I want you to experience this. Not just know about it. Not just cognitively understand it. I want you to experience it. I want you to know this thing for yourself. To know the love of Christ. Now, here's what it says. To know 
I want you to know something that's beyond knowledge. Now, now get this. Uh, science would tell us um, that the human brain, it's pretty crazy. How many of you studied human brain, maybe in high school, science, something along those lines? I am told as I read that literally the human brain can learn something every moment for two million years. It's, it's, its capacity is to learn a new detail every, every moment, every second for two million years. That is the ultimate capacity of your brain, your cerebral cortex. That, that's what it has the capacity of doing. Now, here's what the Bible is saying. Christ's love is bigger than that. That you could spend the next two million years learning the depth and the width and the height and the breadth of Christ's love for you. And what this passage is teaching is you still wouldn't understand it fully. You still wouldn't be able to experience it fully because it is greater than that. I don't know about you, but that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. To think that that's how much God loves me because of his son, Jesus Christ. I want to remind you today that in Christ you are adored and you are accepted, you are approved, and you are affirmed. And notice what it says here. I want you to see this. He says, I want you to experience gnosko, the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Why? That ye may be filled with the fullness of God. Wow. That ye may be filled with the fullness of God. I wonder if there are believers here and they're, they're not experiencing God in the way that God would desire for them to experience him because they're not rooted and grounded. They're not preaching this reality to themselves again and again and again and again. They're not experiencing a fullness of God. They've got access to him. God's not withholding himself, but because they are not appropriating his fullness, they're not appropriating his love, they're not preaching to themselves and to their heart the word of God, they're they're missing out on some of the experience of Christianity. Let's keep moving to verse 20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. How do we know the unknowable? How do we experience the unexperiential? That's what verse 20 says. It says, Now unto him, God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. You see what he's saying here? He's saying, he's saying my spirit can give you the ability to, do, to go beyond what you can even physically, cognitively understand. My spirit can make it possible for you to experience what you're not currently experiencing. To be able to experience the gnosko, to experience this agape, to experience this love of Christ. Not just know about it. Not just cognitively understand about it. Not just preach a lecture or tell your kids about it. But to be rooted in it. To be grounded in it. To be experiencing it. To be basking in it. To be dwelling in the love. And so when you go to work and you spend time with your spouse, it's just radiating from your life because you're experiencing the agape love of Christ. Notice verse number 21. Let's keep moving. Unto him be glory. Now, I want you to see this. One of the indications as to whether or not I'm truly experiencing the love of God in a gnosko type of manner, 
where I'm really experiencing. I'm not just, oh yeah, Jesus loves me, and it's just this academic, cerebral type thing. But no, when it's a, when it's a soul thing, when it's a heart thing, when it's a, a deep thing, how, how do we know when it's real? One of the ways, one of the indications as to know whether or not I'm truly experiencing the love of Christ on a deep and personal level is to look at whether or not his love fills and overflows out of my life in praise and glory to him. That's what it says, verse 21. Why, why all this love? Why bask in it? Why be rooted in it? Why be grounded in it? Is it all about me? No, it's, it's not ultimately all about you. It is ultimately all about God. It's ultimately all about his son, Jesus Christ. Why? Under him be glory. You see, there is glory that Christ gets when you are rooted, grounded, and experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, this Christian experience isn't ultimately about you. It's ultimately about Jesus. It's about his glory. It's about his honor. I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment. Because God is so awesome in his love toward us, we don't no longer have to seek glory for ourselves. This is what this is saying. Because you have so much love, you have access to so much affirmation, you have, uh, you're available to so much adoration, you no longer have to live your life seeking for adoration from lesser things. You don't have to run around your life looking for acceptance in smaller things than Jesus because you've got everything you need in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what this is teaching. You've got more than you need. In fact, it could overflow. That is what's available to you in the person of Jesus Christ. That means this, I no longer have to seek to glory. I no longer have to seek glory to validate my life. Because of, because of Christ's love for me, I, I, I no longer have to seek glory to validate my life. My life is validated by the love and acceptance of the creator of the universe. I don't have to get my spouse to validate me to feel emotionally stable. Because I've already got the one who gives me everything I need to be emotionally stable. You see, I don't have to look for it in lesser things anymore. I can find all my validation in Christ. Because God loves me and because God loves you, we no longer need to seek glory to prove our value. I don't have to prove myself to everybody who comes along. I don't have to justify myself. I don't have to justify all my actions and prove to this person, prove to those people, and prove why I look better or act better or I am better or I've got more money or I've got more stuff and I don't have to live a materialistic lifestyle trying to convince everybody who comes into my world that I'm really awesome because guess what? In Christ, I have everything I need. I have all the validation, the acceptance. I don't have to live according to the laws of this world so that everybody around me and everybody around us will give us what we need. You've got what you need in the person of Jesus Christ. You're already validated in Christ. Your value is already substantiated in Christ. You don't need to go around buying more things just for the sake of buying more things so people will think that you're important. If God's Spirit leads you to buy something and to use it, leverage it for the for the good of your family, for the good of others, follow his spirit. But you don't have to do that anymore to fill this void. That's what I'm saying. You no longer need that house. You need that car. You need those things. You need that career. You, need, you don't need it anymore to fulfill some insecurity of your heart. You have everything you need in the person of Jesus because he loves you. I no longer have to justify my existence 
run around justifying my worth, justifying my actions to everybody who comes into my presence because I've been justified by the one and only that matters. You see how liberating this is? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help you. Because for some of us, because we are not appropriating and experiencing the love, the depth, the height, the breadth of Christ's love for us, we run around looking for that acceptance, that affirmation in, in, in so many things lesser than Jesus. And so we got to make more money, and we got to buy bigger things, and drive cooler cars, and get bigger toys. Why? Because we're trying to justify our lives. We're trying to be our own functional saviors. We're trying to rescue ourselves. I'm important. I am somebody. Look at me. Look what I have. Look what I wear. Look how beautiful I am. Look at this. Look at that. We're trying to justify our experience. You're trying to fill a void that can't be filled outside of presence of Jesus Christ. That's, That's what I'm trying to say. It's not that the house or the car or the clothes or the beauty or the talent or the abilities are bad. That's not what I'm trying to communicate. But what I'm trying to say is when those things, you you need them to fill this sense of worth in your heart, it's, it's probably because you are not finding your worth, your validation, your justification in the person of Jesus. And can I say this? That's such a sad place to be. Because you're not happy. You're not. There's like all the best you can hope for is just the next thrill buying the next thing, experiencing that next thing, having that next thing, and if you could just get enough of the rush, then it'll just kind of keep you going. I'm saying there's a, there's a peace that passeth all understanding. There is a joy unspeakable and full of glory, and his name is Jesus. I'm encouraging you. I'm, 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 I'm calling you to find satisfaction in something bigger rather than finding it in something smaller. You are loved. You're loved. Can I, can I say this? I no longer have to seek the approval of man. We're no longer slaves to the acceptance of our peers. If somebody approves of me, glory to God. And if somebody doesn't approve of me, then I want to I, I wanna look and ask the Lord, Lord, reveal something about my heart. Is there, is there something here that I need to grow in? Is there an area where I need to appropriate some grace, where I need to grow in? This person's criticizing. I'm going to learn from it, but it doesn't destroy me emotionally. Ah, that person doesn't like me. I can take it with a grain of salt. I can take it with emotional maturity. I can take it in. I can process it. I can yield it to the Spirit, but it doesn't, it doesn't define me. It doesn't destroy me. It just is what it is. That's, an, what's a, what, that's how emotional, healthy people, that's how they deal with criticism. Take it for what it's worth. But it, it doesn't ruin their day. It doesn't destroy their week. It doesn't throw them into the depths of depression. Why? That, because you still have Jesus. You, you still have what you need to be satisfied, Jesus. You still have what you need to feel significant, Jesus. You still have what you need for security. That's Jesus. You really haven't, when somebody criticizes you, you really haven't lost anything that really matters because you still have Jesus. And when when you don't get the car or the house or the thing or the possession that you really want it, it's still okay because you have what, what actually is what brings you joy, Jesus. 
And so if you don't get the house you want, or if you don't, you, man, your car, somebody bangs into it in the parking lot. Yeah, it's a little frustrating, but at the end of the day, that's not where your joy is. Your joy is in the person who can never be taken away, Jesus. And so your heart is stable. Your emotions are not, there's a a stableness to your emotional health because your joy, your significance, your satisfaction is not anchored to a car or a house, how much money you have, what type of job, if your boss likes you or doesn't, or people. Your life is not anchored to that. Your, Your emotional state is anchored to Jesus. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I love you with a love that the more you dive into it, the broader it gets, you'll still not be able to fully grasp this love. You know what happens now? All of a sudden, we're free. We are free to glorify God regardless of what that might entail. I'm experiencing so much love. You're experiencing so much love and affirmation and acceptance. Now I can just follow the Spirit of God. I can allow Him to live His life through me. And even when He calls me to do some difficult things and some hard things, it's okay because I know even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, He's not going to draw me into something that will ultimately steal away my only source of joy, happiness, and significance. He's not going to take Himself from me. So I can go through these difficult times, through these trials, through these pains with confidence, knowing that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, his love will abide upon me even in the midst of this trial. And that is where the victory lies. There might be some Christians in here and you are in bondage to your emotional state. You're in bondage to what somebody thinks of you. You're in bondage to materialism. You're in bondage to this thing or that thing, all these things lesser than Jesus. And you need to lift up your eyes and say, God, help me to see that my ultimate joy, my ultimate sense of satisfaction, my ultimate sense of emotional health is not going to be anchored to any of these other things. It's got to be anchored to you and to you alone, which leads us here to our final thought. And that is simply this. Not only do we need to comprehend his love, notice here, unto him be glory, in the church. We're the church. We're his people. Notice what it goes on to say. Throughout all ages, that's us. World without end. Amen. That leads us here to our last thought. Not only do we need to comprehend his love, we need to radiate his glory. It's not about your possessions. It's not about your clothes. It's not about what kind of car you drive. Pray, bless God if he gives you a nice car. Bless him if he gives you a big house. There's nothing, nothing wrong with any of those things. Praise God for it. But it's all been given to you to leverage for his glory. That's why you've got it. Your children, your pets, your toys, your money, your personality, your resources, they're for his glory. They're for him. And now because you have him, the one thing that actually matters, you're now free to use everything else to leverage for his glory and for his honor. Because even if he asked you to sacrifice everything, you'd still have everything you need for joy, peace, and satisfaction. You'd still have it. You'd you'd still have everything that matters. You, you You see how this totally rearranges the way we view the Christian life? 
Some of us need to get a greater view of this love and the reason we, ha- we hold so tightly onto these lesser things and the reason they control our hearts and they affect our emotions in such difficult ways is because we hold so tightly onto this and we don't look enough to Jesus, the only true source of joy and happiness and satisfaction and security. And I'm not asking you to give anything up. I'm asking you to make it possible for you to experience the joy that your heart so desperately longs for. I want your joy to be full. I want your peace to pass understanding, to give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the world is telling you, no, joy unspeakable and full of glory is found in partying, it's found in possessions, it's found in power, it's found in position, it's found in, and I'm here to tell you, it's found in Jesus. And as long as you've got your your death grip on all these lesser things, you're not experiencing the depth, the breadth, the height, of Christ's love the way you could be and you're not experiencing the way he desires for you to experience it I love that song turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim it's not that they're not there it's they're not what you value as much anymore they are what they are your clothes are what they are your house is what it is your car is what it is your job is what it is it's not an idol it's just a tool Why? Because you are loved. You see, when you really understand that you're loved, it's not going to make you say, ah, I'm loved by Jesus. I can go do anything I want. He don't care. He loves me. (laughs) No, when you really actually understand that he loves you, it changes your worldview. It changes your thinking. It changes your values. It changes your motive. Because you're like, he loves me. This broken, flesh-driven, creature that sometimes desires him and sometimes doesn't yet he loves me you see when you really understand the love of christ it begins to melt your heart it changes you from the inside out some of you have experienced this in a human relationship you've experienced such unconditional love in a human relationship it didn't lead you to take advantage it led you to serve and to give and the sacrifice, and this is the way it works with God, when you understand his compassion and his agape, it changes you. It changes your motives. It changes your worldviews. It changes your values. It changes your desires. That's how you know whether or not you're really experiencing gnosko, the love of Christ, or whether it's just kind of this academic thing that you use so you can manipulate your lifestyle. When it's real, it changes you. When you're really experiencing it, You see things different. You're driven differently. You're motivated by different things because he's changing you from the inside out. It's not just a theological excuse to get away with living the way you want to live because if that's what you're doing, you're not gnosko. You don't get it. You've got some language. You've got some labels. You're able to theologically do some gymnastics with some doctrine, but you're not experiencing it because when you experience it, it changes you. That's how you know. Nobody, Nobody experiences Jesus and stays the same. You can learn about him and stay the same. You can acknowledge him and stay the same. You can get facts about him and stay the same, but you don't experience him and stay the same. When when you get an experience with Jesus, it changes something inside of you. Oh, to know him. 
First Chronicles 29 says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. That's our God. Above all. Our dreams, all of our desires, all of our wishes, all of our wants, all of, our, all of it. He's exalted above all. And, and I want to say this, and, and then we're going to wrap this thing up. In commanding us to glorify him, when God commands us to glorify him, really what he's inviting us to is to enjoy him. That's really what this is about. When you're glorifying God, when you're experiencing his love, his affirmation, his adoration, his joy and his peace, and you're allowing him to live his life through you and glorifying himself, really his command to glorify him is really an invitation to enjoy him. See, you think, I'd have to give everything up. I'd have to let go. I'd have to sacrifice. And God says, no, you actually get the opportunity to experience something you've never experienced before. Something greater, something grander, something more majestic. The command to glorify him is an invitation to enjoy him in a way that you might not currently know even exists. Because some of you still have old worldviews, old paradigms of religion and God and Christianity. And to you, all you can conjure up when you think about God is a taskmaster, a rule maker, a one who squelches fun, makes your life difficult, legalistic cultures, overwhelming, overbearing, just kind of burdens. And that's your view of religion and God. And I'm here to say this. Yes, God is holy and God is just and he is righteous. But in the midst of that, he meets us in our sin with love and mercy and grace. That blows my mind. And that's our God. And he wants you to taste and see that he is what? Good. He wants you to experience, to taste and to see it. Why? That he is good. I heard the story about a young man who in his late teens and early adult, just lived a life of just rebellion. He just kind of got with the wrong crowd, and before he knew it, he was just doing things he never thought he would do. He was partaking in things he never thought he'd partake in, and literally to the point where it was beyond healthy. I mean, he was hurting his emotional state. He was hurting his, his physical body. And ultimately, he was destroying his soul from the inside out just with the lifestyle that he was choosing. All in the thought of, this is fun. This is free. This is liberty. Years went by, and it just got to a place where his entire life just was crushed. Emotionally, psychologically, physically, spiritually, just broken absolutely broken after a few years he met a girl they got married and in their season of marriage she came to know Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior and for years would try to reach out to him letting him know that Jesus was his hope wanted nothing to do with it he didn't see it as being real he didn't see it as being authentic he saw himself as just somebody that nobody really loved, and, and the way he dealt with that was just by abusing himself in every possible way he could think of. But his wife would just radiate the glory of Christ and the love of Christ to him. 
and her love and Christ's love through her begin to change him from the inside out. He had literally gotten to a place where he convinced himself that not even God loved him. That based on his past, based on what he had done, based on what he experienced, God himself couldn't even accept him. And then for the first time, he began to realize that in Christ, he could be loved. That because of what Christ had done on his behalf, he could be accepted. Because of what Christ did in bleeding on the cross, he could have life, adoration, acceptance in Christ. And that day came where he committed his his life to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And I wish I could tell you it all went perfect from there and everything was awesome, but it was a journey. It was a struggle. There were ups and there were downs. There was two steps forward and one step back. There were detours. But God continually poured out his grace and mercy and began to continue to work. Years turned to decades and this young man began to grow. He was a very... He was a very very smart, intellectually wise guy, smart. He had an opportunity of beginning to work at a, at a seminary. And just as the years went by, he literally became a seminary professor. And later in life, in his late 70s, he was still teaching as a professor in the seminary. It was just, just he would teach. And, and he was one of those students, one of those professors that everybody just liked for whatever reason. They just liked the person. It's very, very smart. He was known, and you get in his classes, and you just sit there, and just the way he saw the world and the way he thought just was intriguing to people. He was always one of the favorite professors of the students, and they'd often come and ask him questions. <laughs> they'd ask him theological questions and doctrinal questions and try to get him kind of, and he'd answer them with grace. And, and one day toward the end of his life, he was in his living room, and his health was starting to deteriorate. He couldn't do what he once had done. He was in his rocking chair, and some of the students had come to his house, and they're just taking some time to be with him toward the end of his life. And he was in a rocking chair, and one of the students asked a question. He said, What's the greatest thought you've ever had? That aged man began to think back to his life. His sin, his brokenness, his rebellion. But a God who in his grace and his love and his mercy reached out to him anyway. The, the young student thought maybe he hadn't heard him because he just kind of stared into the distance and he asked him again. He said, what's the greatest thought you've ever had? And as a tear began to roll down his cheek, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I say this, regardless of your past, regardless of where you've been, in Christ, you are loved. Oh, that you would get rooted in that reality. That a, that a day wouldn't pass, a week wouldn't pass where you're not grounded in that reality. I know it's knowledge that passeth understanding, but in his spirit you can 
not just know it, you can experience it. And I, my prayer for Ambassador Baptist Church is there are some in here and you know the love of Christ, but you don't know it. You're not experiencing it. And if you were, it would change everything. Oh, that we would surrender, that we would remind ourselves, that we would preach this agape love to ourselves every single day and never forget, regardless if your spouse doesn't love you and regardless if your parents don't or you're some person at the church doesn't, just remind yourself afresh and new every day, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. In Christ, we are loved. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.